Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. I want you to know that when we started that uh, several years ago, uh, it started in a closet. And so there wasn't, you know, we just said, we want to lean into this. We felt very strongly that God was saying to us uh, about uh, our involvement with the poor and the hurting in our community, and to step into that in a more proficient way, in a more powerful way, and now to see that it's grown to helping uh, on an average basis over 800 families a month. God is good, isn't he? God is good in that, so I'm just so grateful for how the Lord is moving. Before I get too uh, long into my message this morning, too, I want to say, how many of y'all were at our West Campus for our worship night this past? We had some folks here. How about that? Was that a great experience? And I think we've got some pictures there, and uh, this is such a cool thing that God is doing, and whenever I think about what's happening in this event, it is such a true testimony of how we are becoming one church Different locations, different languages. God is showing up in a powerful way. Can we give the Lord a round of applause for that? So grateful. So grateful. Well, this morning, my assignment is really to help us continue on in our series. We are in a series right now uh, at Community of Hope. We're calling the series Scatter. And we're talking really about the concept, the biblical concept, if you will, about sowing and reaping. That is such an important concept that Jesus uh, you know, began and that Jesus uh, developed and that he taught uh, during his earthly ministry. Uh, think with me about this as we begin this morning. When Jesus came to earth, the Bible says God in living flesh came to the earth and he, and he did his ministry, did his work, walked among us. Uh, he came 2,000 years ago in a very agrarian culture. So there were lots of shepherds, there were lots of farmers, and so Jesus had this in, in a wonderful way of, of taking a moment and looking at what was going on around him and speaking to those things, calling those things out uh, to people and just uh, communicating, you know, living truth, uh, heaven-bound truth in a way that people just understood. He spoke in common language. And people were drawn to it. And in fact, you know, not even knowing yet that he was God in human flesh, they were drawn to him in, in a very captivating way. In fact, there's one verse of scripture that reminds us of this. It says that Jesus was a friend of sinners. And I'm all, I've been taken with that phrase really in, in many ways throughout my ministry that, that, that Jesus lived his life in a way that those who are very far from, from God were drawn to him, and, and Jesus befriended them. And so this is a very powerful thing, and in many ways, right now in this series, this is the kind of thing uh, that we're looking at uh, right now. I was in a conversation a while back with a guy who mentioned the word karma. I don't know if you've ever heard that word before, and he was talking about something in his life, and he said, I don't know, it's like karma. And I asked him, I said, what is, when you say that, what does that mean to you? And he said, well, he said, this is what I think it means. He said, you know, like, the, whatever you plant is going to come back to you. And so I, I looked at him when he said that, and I said, dude, I threw the dude in just to say that. I said, dude, I said, that's not karma. I said, that's the principle of sowing and reaping. And that's the principle that Jesus first talked about when he said, you know, what you plant 
uh, you know, comes back to you, but it doesn't come back to you if you don't plant right. Does that make sense? So right now in this series, we're talking about this and we're communicating this uh, right now. And uh, we're looking at that in a lot of different ways. You know, I was thinking about this because, um, you know, we're taking the month of November. For those of you that are new, I want you to be aware of this. We're taking the month of November and we're sort of highlighting a lot of the mission work that Community of Hope, that your church is doing both here and around the world. So we've been taking a moment, you know, in some of these videos to highlight different missionaries that we're supporting around the world or to highlight, if you will, some of the work of our, our hope in action. In fact, this morning when you came in and you got your worship folder, we put a little uh, decal in your, uh, in your worship folder. I love the 561 decal. Hopefully that you'll put that on your car as just a reminder that God is calling us right now in this season in our church to love our church and to love uh, our area in, in ways that are honoring to him. And so we've been talking about this uh, kind of thing, and I thought about, you know, even in what we're going to do at the uh, end of November, we start teeing up for a big missions offering that we're going to take in December. Now, we started the 561 earlier this year, and we're giving, you can hear that, we're giving between, you know, $1,600, $2,000 away a, a, a weekend. That's eight grand a month, that's over $100,000 a year that we're just giving out into our community to bless people in the name of Jesus Christ. I think God is really, really honored by that. And God wants it. You know, my vision, really, one of the things the Lord has laid on my heart is that we would be the kind of church, y'all, that if we didn't exist in the community, our community would miss us. Even Even if they don't attend, they would miss us. Because of what we're trying to do in terms of trying to represent Jesus. So a couple times a year, we're going to talk about this as an offering. You know, every Sunday when you come here, think with me about this for a moment. You're going to hear two things right now. You're going to hear us talk about the dollar club. That's one thing. You're also going to say, hear us say every Sunday, if you're new, you're a guest, you're a visitor, you're a skeptic, you're a doubter, let the offering plate pass you by. And so that's sort of the vision of our church. But there are a couple times a year, we're going to ask you to lean in. And what's coming up uh, toward the end of this year is one of those times. Many of us are getting you know, caught up on our regular giving and we're saying we want to finish the year strong at Community of Hope. We always do that. And then we're, we always say this, you know, we're going to ask you to give toward this mission offering because next year we'll give every dollar of that away. And I think God has really honored that by that. So we've been talking about this thing. And whenever we talk about what it means to sow ske- seed or scatter seed, uh, the, the conversation always comes up or the, the idea would come up about, uh, you know, what does it mean for us uh, to be used by God's spirit to do his work in the world? That's a question I'm often asked. What does it mean to serve God, to, be, to use my talents uh, uh, for Jesus in a way that the mission of his kingdom on earth goes forward? And so this morning, I want to explore that with you in what I think really is probably one of the most uh, classic passages in the entire Bible about how God outfits us for his service uh, in the kingdom. And so I want to read to you this morning, and we're going to explore together as a church family on all of our campuses. So this is happening over in our Latino campus. This is happening out west uh, four times this weekend. We're going to talk about the idea of how God gives spiritual gifts to his people. And we're going to read where Paul says this. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Now, the whole chapter 
is about uh, this concept. And, and I would say, do yourself a favor later on, pour a good cup of coffee, sit out in the cold, because today's probably the coldest it'll be in the whole next year. This is it. It's over after this, okay? And so, you know, take a minute and read the whole chapter, but let me just read these first 11 verses, and we're going to do some learning together. Here's, here's how Paul says it. He says, now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I don't want you to be uninformed. For you know that when you were pagans, when you were far from God, somehow or other, you were even influenced and led astray to mute idols. So therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is cursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are even different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. I want you to notice before we go on that he's talking about the Lord, he's talking about the Spirit, and he's talking about God the Father there. In verse 7, he says this, now to each one, he said, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And to one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit, and to another faith and by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healing by that one Spirit, and to another miraculous powers, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, and even to another speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to still another, the interpretation of those tongues. So now all of these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he determines. And the key idea that we're looking at this morning is that he distributes them to each one just as he has decided. Let's let's take a moment and pray together. God, I want you to ask you this morning uh, to be here in a way that would give us a capacity, oh God, to lean into what Paul is saying here. Uh, to, Lord, um, take a step uh, out into deeper waters, that our faith would grow, that our awareness of your work in the world would increase uh, in our heart in ways that, uh, Lord, are, empower us to do your work in our season, in this, your part uh, of, of your community. Uh, God, I pray this morning for those who are new to faith that you would remind us that there's more. That for those of us, Lord, who have grown tired or weary in our faith, that we would remember, God, that there is fresh infilling and there is more still to come. And God, that you might collectively say something to us in this season as a church that would enable us to capture your mission and your vision in new and compelling ways. This we pray together by the power of God revealed in the Holy Spirit through Jesus who is our Lord. And everyone said, amen. I want you to think with me about this. Let's put our thinking caps on for just a few moments. This, many scholars would tell us, is one of the classic passages of Scripture about the idea of spiritual gifting. Uh, that God comes in a unique way to empower his people to get his work done in the world. And uh, this is a powerful concept, and I think it's a concept that many of us uh, either need to know better or to experience or understand for the first time, and even for those of us seasoned vets in the room, that we would 
we would always be reminded that the Spirit of God wants to give more so that we might accomplish His work in the world. Uh, when I read uh, Paul's uh, chapter, and when I re- read this, you know, again, the classic passage about how God uses His people, I hear a lot of um, passion in what Paul is saying. And it's as though almost that Paul is, is sort of reminding everybody who are the recipients of this letter that, that we all have a job to do and we have to do our job. Uh, I don't know if you've heard the phrase. There's a phrase right now that's sort of going through our culture, and it's this phrase. I want you to raise your hand if you've heard this before. You've got one job. You ever heard that phrase? And right now in our culture, this is a phrase that we use often to signify that, you know, we gave you one job and you kind of messed it up. Have you, have you noticed this right now? In fact, um, I want to show you some symbols. If you look this up, here's one. You've got one job. I mean, that's not great, is it? When I look at that, I think, man, how did they not catch that, right? So here's another one. You've got one job. I don't know. what. If you were standing at that door, what would you do? Do you go in? Do you not go in? I'm not sure. Here's one. Now, my wife's a farmer's daughter. I'm not a farmer's daughter, but I know that that's not watermelon. And here's one that's even worse. Look at this. Okay, how about that? And I think there's another one here. For those of you that don't know, I think that's Africa. And then here's my favorite. So we use the phrase right now in our culture, you've got one job, sort of to signify, you know, what it's like when you've got one thing to do and you just, you don't do it or you don't do it right. I, I was thinking about this even the other day. I was thinking about my first job. How many of you remember your first job ever? Raise, raise your hand. I, I, my first job, my first official job was a place called Scotty's. How many of y'all remember Scotty's. In fact, I worked at the one, it was what, on Military Trail, just north of Belvedere. How many of you remember that? And I worked there, and I remember, uh, I I looked it up the year that I worked there, and I looked up how much I was making an hour. I know that's a big controversial thing right now. Uh, I was making $3.45 an hour. Okay? Yeah, I know. Take a breath there. And I remember that, and I can remember uh, my boss one time calling me into his office, and he said, "Um, you're doing such a great job. He goes, we're going to give you a promotion, and I'm going to give you a raise. And I said, well, what's the promotion? He said, we're making you the overstock manager at Scotty's. And I thought, God, that sounds fantastic. Like, what's involved with that? He walked me out into the warehouse. He showed me all these top shelves, and he said, your job will be to crawl up there on a ladder and to go in those shelves and to clean them out. And we're going to give you a nickel raise. And I, I kid you not, I went home and I told my dad, I was so excited about this. I said, dad, I got a raise. He said, how much was the raise? I said, it was five cents. I still remember my dad, my great dad, who was a hero to me, looked right at me and he said, you're crushing it. Way to go. <laughs> wow. I, it took me a while to recover from that. Um, But, you know, I was thinking more, this was really not my first job. My first job actually was I had a lawn mowing service. Any any guys ever, you know, do that? Two of us in the room, great. 
And uh, I had all these uh, lawns in my neighborhood that I would mow. And I still remember this. I had all this written down. I had how many times I would mow them. I had all this stuff. I felt like, man, I'm a business owner. This is the coolest thing. And and I remember one afternoon, um, a gentleman called me down to his house. We were living in Palm Beach National. And and uh, he called me down to his house. I knew exactly who Mr. Hall was. And he, he said, we're going to be gone for you know, three weeks. And he said, we, we would like to ask you to mow our yard. Now, the only thing that was intimidating about that is when you walked up to this guy's house, his house looked like Augusta National Golf Course. I mean, it was perfect. And so he walked me out. He showed me all the gardens. He showed me, this is, this is how I want you to mow. I want you to mow at this length. And I want you to, you know, I want you to do all this stuff. And, um, and so I said, yes, he goes away. And I had a lot of stuff going on in my life, and I forgot to mow his yard. This is a true story. And, and so I suddenly remembered, I noticed that I had written down that Mr. Hall was coming back, and it had already been like two weeks. Well, you guys know how fast grass grows in the summer in Florida? So I went down there, and it looked like a cornfield. And I'll never forget this. I thought, oh my gosh, I've got to mow this guy's yard. So I am mowing this guy's yard. He had this big, beautiful pool in the backyard. He did not have it, uh, wasn't a screen enclosure. And I'm mowing this yard and all of this stuff is blowing into the pool. And I come ripping around into the front yard to mow the front yard and he pulls up into the driveway. I still see that look on that man's face in my brain. And uh, it was an embarrassing moment of great failure. It was like one of those moments you've got one job to do. And so I, I went home. My dad was so upset at me. He had me go back down the next day. And he goes, I want you to go apologize to this man. And I want you to tell him that you're going to mow his yard the remainder of the summer and not charge him at all. And so I marched down there, knocked on the door. And I told him what my dad said. And, and he looked at me and he said, no thanks and shut the door. I mean, that was it. And when I look at this, what Paul is saying, you know, kind of in this moment, Paul is reminding us that sometimes there is one job to do, and it's an important thing to do. Uh, This past uh, week, my mom, uh, I want to show you a picture of my mom and I, there we are. Uh, My mom turned 90 years old on Thursday, isn't that great? And so, um, yeah. And she had, uh, this past week, she had a corneal transplant. And so uh, the doctor, after the corneal transplant, gave uh, me, uh, Beth and I went up to stay with her a couple of nights, and then we brought her back with us, uh, gave me all of these medicines to put into her eyes. I want to show you what I was doing. And this has been a routine we've been doing five or six times a day every two hours, And um, the doctor, I mean, when he gave us these medicines and he like kind of empowered us and said, you've got one job, don't mess this up. And so Paul is reminding us in this space that every now and again, there are things that are really important. And and I want to take you through what I feel like in my heart is an important thing for us to remember when it talks about spiritual gifts. The first thing that I want us to be reminded of is simply this. Paul says it this way. He goes, don't be uninformed about spiritual gifts. And what I want everybody to know in here is that um, in one of the translations, uh, the actual Greek word is, is translated actually this. Don't be ignorant about the way God wants to get his work done. And I think that's probably a more powerful and more appropriate rendering because when you get over to verse 2 
And you're going to see it there. Here's verse 1. Don't be uninformed, but it goes on to verse 2, and he says this. He says, you know that when you were pagan, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. And he's just sort of reminding them, he's calling back, even around the people of Israel, that there was this moment when they were being led by a cloud during the day and by fire at night. Now, I don't know about you, but if I got up tomorrow morning and there was a cloud above my driveway that led me everywhere I was supposed to go, and then as, the, as it got dark that a fire showed up, I don't know about you, I'd follow that, wouldn't you? So here's this powerful moment, and then, and then here is God leading them, and from some moment they go from cloud by day, fire by night, to they're all pooling their gold and making idols and calling these idols God. And it's just a reminder right here in verse 2 that it's, it's easy to get led astray. It's easy to lose your way. And so Paul the Apostle is reminding us of the importance of how God gets uh, his work done in the world. And that he bestows upon us these spiritual gifts. And for those of you that don't know, I, I wanted to give you a definition. Maybe you would think about this or write this down. But a spiritual gift is a manifestation or an endowment given to you by the Holy Spirit of salvation that deepens your faith and fulfills Christ's mission. It's a manifestation or an endowment given to you by the Holy Spirit of salvation that deepens your faith and fulfills Christ's mission. And here's what I want, want to say. It, it's unique. In other words, if we were to think about this together, we serve the body of Christ. We serve our world in a way that God is... Uh, outfitted us that is somewhat unique and somewhat different from any other way. I was reading from this uh, a couple weeks ago that one scholar says it's like this, when you become a follower of Jesus, God gives you an instrument to play in the orchestra, and that instrument is unlike anybody else's, and if you don't play it, it doesn't get played. Now, I don't know about you, but that, that's, that's a powerful image to me. Now, I was thinking about this, and I'm, I want to I'm going to give you an illustration of this, and I'm going to call out right at the beginning that this is really hokey. And I'm going to call this out, and if it doesn't work, I'm going to tell you before this service, this message is over, that this was Trevor's idea. If it works, I'll let it be my idea. Okay? In fact, I tried this out last night at Saturday night, and it crushed it. So I thought, and I asked him last night, if this is bad, tell me. I'll pull it out. I won't do it on Sunday, but if it works, I'll keep it in. They all said, keep it in. So I was thinking about this, and you know, we're about to move into the Christmas season, and we all listen to Christmas music. I, there's already a channel on the radio where you can listen to Christmas music. I'm pretty sure it's a sin to do that before Thanksgiving, okay? But anyhow, there's, uh, there's Christmas music going on, and I thought about this classic song, and the song is called Sleigh Ride. How many of y'all know what the song, you know the song Sleigh Ride? I was thinking about this. Let me just share with you a little history. Again, this is a little hokey, but stay with me. I'm sure there, there's a point in here. This has become an orchestral standard. It was a song that first was written during the famous heat wave of 1946, which I thought, well, this is a Florida song. It's a Florida Christmas song. The, 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 the author, the composer, didn't finish it until the winter of 48. It was first recorded by the Boston Pops with uh, a conductor, Arthur Fiedler, and became a hit record for RCA Victor. In fact, when they put the 45 version originally out of this song, uh, they did it in red vinyl, first time ever. So it became this big thing. And for those of you who don't know, like a record is this thing. There's like this hole in the middle. 
And so this has become a standard song. In fact, um, I, I want you to hear the song for a moment. Okay, so Lynn, can you help me out? We're going to get in the Christmas mood, all right? So here we go. We can hear this. How many of y'all know what that song is, right? Okay, this great. All right, listen. Okay. All right, great. Thank you. All right, now, there's a part, though, in this song that proves what I want to talk about right here. It comes actually in what is referred to as the B section of the song. And, and we're going to play this, and I want you to hear this part. You're going to know exactly what's going on. I'm going to let it play four times. So here we go, Lynn. Help me out. Hear that? Okay, we're going to keep playing. All right. Here we go. It's going to come again. Ready? Here it comes. One more time. All right, great. Here's the thing. So far, I'm trying to read the room and decide if this was Trevor's idea or my idea. Here's the thing. The guy that plays that, that's the snapping of a whip. It's the only thing he plays in that song. But it's what makes the song great. You know how I know it's the only thing that's played in that song? Because my, my daughter was in the band at school, and her best friend played that deal. And she would wait for her part and go, bing, and play that every time. Now, here's the thing. This has become known in our culture today, even still today. It's called an American standard. So anytime an orchestra plays in December, there is this embedded expectation that they're going to play this song, this orchestral piece, and the favorite part of the orchestral piece is that moment in the song. But it's lost to the world if the person doesn't play it right. I mean, do you get my point? You've got a gift. God has given you an instrument to play. The question always for us, I think in every moment, at every season, at every time, for followers of Jesus is, will you play your gift? Will you play your instrument? And so Paul says it this way. He goes, I don't want you to be uninformed. And then he says this. He says, don't be uninformed. And he says, don't be like everyone else. In verses four through six, notice what he says. There are different gifts, the same spirit. There are different service, the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but all of them and everyone, it is the same God who is at work in that moment. There's all this variety. Now, for years at Community of Hope, we have taught this concept, and you may want to write this down, around a concept we call shape. And shape at Community of Hope stands for the way God has wired us up for service. And the S stands, if you're taking notes, for spiritual gifts. That's what we're talking about today. But the H stands for heart. In other words, what your passion is. The A stands for your abilities, how, you know, what, what you're, you, you're empowered to do and what, you're, uh, you know, what you have uh, aptitude to do. Your P stands for your personality and your E stands for your experiences. And every experience in this room is different than every other experience in this room. And God even uses our experiences. I have a friend of mine who says it this way, God will never waste a tear or a hurt. He'll redeem it for his kingdom's purpose. 
One time when Paul was writing, he said it this way. He said, he said one of the things that God gives us a power to do is uh, he gives us um, a fellowship in our sufferings. And, and that's kind of a weird phrase. And, and the first time you look at that, it, it, it's not really necessarily right there before you to understand. But what Paul is saying basically is this, is you get people together who have had a similar experience in life's journey, and, and there is a camaraderie, there is a connection, there is a grace that is present that is unlike any other thing. We, we get at Community of Hope, I think of this through the years, you get, we get people together, say we get young families together that that want a baby but, but haven't yet had a baby. And there's, a, there's an identity there that is, is different. You get, you get families together who have a special needs situation in their, within their home or within their relational circle and there's just something there. You get people together that have lost a loved one and there's a connection that's there. There's already an immediate bond that is there. And, and Paul is saying, God will even use and redeem that. For his purpose. And so Paul, this is important work today. Paul's saying, don't, don't be uninformed about spiritual gifts. When you, when, when you become a follower of Jesus, God has given you a gift. He's saying, don't be like everybody else. I, I, one of the things I hate in our culture today is that we have made a certain notoriety about Christian leadership. And there's something to me that's inherently unhealthy about that because we all serve at the pleasure of our king shoulder to shoulder there's not like a celebrity culture within christianity we should all be finding our gift and using our gift for his purpose and then lastly paul i think would say this he'd he'd say you know don't be uninformed don't don't be like anyone else and then i think he would say this He'd say, don't deny yourself. Don't be denied. I uh, shared a couple weeks ago over at the West Campus that uh, one of the things right now, you know, with the development of our church and how it's grown and all these things, um, this has been a year, there have been seasons and moments throughout the year when I feel quite honestly like I've lost myself a bit. I was sharing with some of the pastors on our team. I said, there are moments when I feel like a CEO and I, and I didn't enter into the ministry to be a CEO. I want to be a pastor, minister of the gospel. And so one of the things right now that I'm doing in my own life, and I would encourage you to do in your life, is sort of rephrasing and recasting and reshaping what God is saying to me right now in my life, in my heart, about how I am to serve His kingdom and do, serve His purposes in the world. And so that's involving some reshaping of some things uh, in my life. And one of the things I've been uh, doing, I've been reading a, a powerful book uh, by Justin Whitmore Early. It's called The Common Rule. And Justin says uh, in the book, one of uh, my favorite quotes is he says this. He goes, what is it? What is it if the good life, he says, doesn't come really from having the ability to do whatever it is you want to do? What if it comes from having the ability to really do what you have been made to do? And that has really spoken to my heart. Every single one of us in here who has said yes to Jesus Christ, God is on the invitation of your saying yes, 
He has invited you to step in to find your gift and to use it for His glory and His purposes in the world. The question is, will you do it? Will you play your instrument? Will you serve at the pleasure of your King? And so we could never talk about the mission and the work of the church really without having a conversation about all of us finding our gift and all of us using our gift to serve God's purposes in the world. Too often the church, you know what it becomes? It becomes a small group of people doing the work of a large thing. And that's not God's design. So we're having a conversation about that in this, future, in this season. Would you join with me in prayer? Lord, I pray this morning that you would, by the power of your Holy Spirit, uh, in this place, give us the ability, O oh God, to come to better understanding of how you have wired us, how you are using our shape, our spiritual gifts, our heart, our abilities, our personality, and our experiences to serve your cause in the world. That Lord, in this season, in this time as a church, you would make that more clear, that you would give us a certain measure of capacity and courage to step in, that we might be shoulder to shoulder with the others within our fellowship, doing valuable service to your kingdom in this part of your world. God, this is an important conversation. Don't let us shrink back with fear. Don't let us be apathetic, but God, give us the power, give us the resource, give us the passion to do what you've called us to do. So that we, it might be said of us, oh Lord, we're not trying to do great things for a good God. We're just trying to do things for a great God. This we pray in the name of Jesus and everyone said. let that be our prayer uh, Lord let that be our prayer that we might be able with honesty and with integrity of heart mean every single thing we just said this we pray in the name of Jesus and everyone said amen hey before I let you go uh, before I let you go I want to let you know uh, something that's going on within our church family many of you all know Billy Langley Billy and Jen Langley who uh, they are our executive director of worship, creative arts, and uh, Billy's been on our staff since 2010. All, all of you know who he is. This past Friday, uh, his daughter, Addie, uh, got very sick, and uh, she was taken by ambulance to Palms West. She is still in uh, pediatric ICU uh, right now. They are believing, they don't have this confirmed yet, that she uh, caught a form of encephalitis. And it's been very scary. She's been seizing and unresponsive. It's been a very scary time for the Langleys and for our church family. Many of us are rallying around them in this time. Uh, Beth and I went to visit them on our way over again uh, this morning. Uh, went to see them. She is resting. Uh, they are continuing to run tests. 
uh, hoping that the worst of this is over, but we just want to take a quick moment here to pray for them and do a, uh, make sure that you are aware as a church family of this uh, situation and that you would continue to hold the Langleys and their daughter, Addie, uh, in uh, your prayers. So could we pray for her this morning, even right now? Lord, we are so grateful for the Langley family and all the ways they serve you and they serve us through Community of Hope. And we, again, Lord, call out to you and we pray for healing for Addie. We just ask, oh God, that you would watch over those who are caring for her medically, that you would give them an ability beyond their education and skill in terms of diagnosis and treatment, that we might discover exactly what has happened to her and that, Lord, uh, full healing and full recovery would be possible. Jesus, this is our prayer. This is what we're asking. We pray that you would comfort uh, both mom and dad in this scary and difficult season and that you would uh, allow us as a church family to wrap our arms around them in ways that are practical and helpful and hopeful and honoring to you. And we lay this entire situation before you in the strong and mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And everyone said, amen. Praise God. Go in his grace. We'll see you next weekend.